Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Matthew Denby from Who Magazine. Welcome to the first episode of The Binge List, your weekly breakdown of what's binge-worthy on Aussie TV. We've got all the advanced word on the best shows from streaming and linear TV. And we've also got two of Australia's finest aficionados of television, Gavin Scott and Claire Rigdon, to talk us through it all. Welcome, Gavin and Claire. Hi. Hi. This is a great week to be starting this podcast with two long-awaited dramas returning, The Handmaid's Tale and Westworld. Uh, Now, like everyone, I really love the first season of The Handmaid's Tale and season two kicks off on SBS and SBS On Demand on April 26 with a double episode. And then new episodes debuting weekly, unlike last time around when we got the whole season at once. Gavin, what did you think of uh, the first episode of season two? In short, it's full on. I was planning to watch the first two back to back, but I had to take a break after watching the first one because it's so dark. If you thought season one was dark, season two tops that. As I was watching in the office as well and, and you know, people around me and so I couldn't gasp out too loud and I couldn't cry when something sad happened. Did you find that, Claire? Um, well, yeah, no, I, I also watched it in the office, but um, I'm totally down with sobbing at my desk. <laughs> Look, I don't want to ruin anything for people because I feel like it's the kind of show where the less you know going into season two about what's going to happen in those first two episodes, the better. But it is, it's sad. There's a, there's a really sad bit. So it was, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing and, and there's a few raunchy scenes as well. So, you know, you know, being in a public place and watching it, <laughs> you got to take, you got to take that into consideration. But um, it is, it, it's, it's fantastic. I yeah. actually would give it five stars. I, I, I don't think I can fault it. With season one, with Offred in the back of the van, not knowing where she was going, if, it, if she was going to salvation, if she was going to be punished for uh, starting off the, the rebellion against Aunt Lydia and we pick up with episode one right in the van and you find out very quickly where she's being taken and as Claire said you know you don't want to give too much away you can't even imagine where she ends up the the thing I will say is it's all soundtracked to Kate Bush's This Woman's Work it's it's so good isn't it It, the music is everything in that first scene it is It, it really brings that scene to life and just really hammers it home that this is just awful what you're watching and then you've got this beautiful music playing in the background. So obviously, you know, without saying too much, what we discover is that this season is about consequences, the consequences of what uh, Ofra did in season one and nothing in Gilead goes unpunished and, and, you know, we see very quickly how the punishment is dished out. And the other thing that becomes very apparent is Offred's got to learn how to resist. Obviously she wants to resist. She wants to escape. She wants to find her daughter, but does she resist by doing the big gesture or does she resist in a really subtle way that isn't going to attract attention, isn't going to set everyone after her. And, and, and that's the dilemma for her working out how to get what she wants, which is out of Gilead um, but doing it in a way that she's going to be able to do it under the radar. Well, I was going to yeah. actually interject there and yeah. say, because she's got a lot to lose. I mean, that scene in the first series where Serena takes her to see her 
daughter, but then doesn't let her out of the car. I mean, that's at the heart of season two is that she she desperately wants out, but she's got to think about what's going to happen to her daughter. As Serena says, if you look after my baby, I'll look after your baby, which is just so chilling. It's awful. It is, and and a lot of this season is going to be about that unborn baby. We didn't see much of Serena in episode one, but uh, we did speak to Yvonne Strahovski, and here's what she had to say about the role that the baby plays this season. Well, it just raises the stakes so much more because Serena, because Serena, all she ever wanted was this baby, and the only way that she really can get the baby is through Offred. So it just raises the stakes so much more. It's the one thing that she wants to have. And the one thing I think she believes that will make her world better because it's not that great and she knows it. So I think this baby is everything to her. Now, there's a lot of love for the original book that this series is based on, the Margaret Atwood classic. Um, Now, the first season was extensively based on that book, but the second season is a completely new work and that made a lot of people really nervous. Um, Are people going to love what they're seeing or is it of the quality that we would hope for? I think they're going to love it. And Margaret Atwood is still involved with the show. She's an executive producer or or whatever her title is. And so they really are fleshing out the world that she created. And especially in episode two, we go to see the colonies, um, which are written about in the book, but we didn't see them Mm. in the, we we didn't go to them in the book and we didn't see them in uh, season one, but we really do see them in episode two. Don't we, Claire? Oh, gosh, you sure do. And just as a, an aside about Margaret Atwood, I um I read something where she said that because she wrote the book something like 20-odd years ago and she said that she, in the back of her head, she'd been thinking about what had happened to these women for that whole time and imagining where they might be. And so it must be quite thrilling as a writer to be able to kind of um, pick up where you left off but to kind of be able to build on that world and uh, I, I personally think that she is all over this second series. I mean, I've only seen two episodes but it really does have that Margaret Atwood hallmark. But, yes, episode two, oh, my God, it's so great. So without sounding too gushy, Alexis Bledel, like I never liked the Gilmore Girls. I was never a fan. Gavin's looking at me like, Get out of the room. I, the reboot, I'm with you, but the original series, <sighs> great. No, I just found her really irritating. But she was so great as Off Glen in series one. She won an, an award for it and all sorts of awards, actually. Episode two is all about her, and which is really interesting because after series one, I actually wondered whether she was dead. I mean, because she went on that rampage where she killed the officers and did donuts in the car park and there was a lot of blood. So it turns turns out she's been packed off to the colonies, which is this awful place where you're assuming something terrible has happened. There's all sorts of toxic waste that the women that have done something wrong or deemed not good enough to be handmaids or infertile, they get shipped off to clean up this awful sulphur, disgusting wasteland. And it is horrific. I mean, if you thought, you know, Series 1 had built this frighteningly dystopic vision, well, it just takes it to even more terrifying realms in this second episode and it is really quite difficult to watch. Side note, Marissa Tomei pops up. Oh, she does indeed. Yeah. And and it's interesting to see, I, I don't think it's giving away too much to say that she plays a wife 
who ends up in the colonies. It's interesting to see that dynamic. So she's a wife. Yeah. Why is she there? Why is yeah. a wife in the colonies along with all the other quote-unquote unwomen? Yeah, and what is Offglen going to think? Because, I mean, the, I always find the commander's wives really interesting because essentially they're accessories to the crime of rape. I mean, they have to sit there while their handmaids are getting raped by their husbands on a monthly basis, which is just horrific on so many different levels. And so what are the other women who are working in the colonies, what are they going to think when one of them, who is essentially an accessory to the crime committed against them, pops up? And, yeah, you just wait. <laughs> I think my only complaint with this season of The Handmaid's Tale is that it's not all available at once. Because yeah, because yeah, you don't want it to stop, do no, you? No, I mean, you do want it to stop and you need it yeah. to stop. But then, you know, once you got over that, 10, 10 minutes later, it's like, right, I need the next the episode. The next one. Yeah, no, totally. And just, yeah, that second episode, I mean, one thing I think we should talk about is how amazing the visuals are. I mean, they were just beautiful in the first series, the way that it shot, the colours and and the kind of general mood of the whole thing, the, the, the sets and the costumes are just phenomenal. But this world they build around Alexis Bledel's character in the colonies is just frightening. It, there's almost a look of the kind of Russian gulags um, from World War II. The costuming is, is, is amazing and it's just, it's frightening. That's the thing. The most the most horrible things are happening, but it looks beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's almost unimaginable, but you know there is a beauty to a lot of that, to a lot of the way that it's shot, especially when you see what happens to the handmaids after their revolt. And again, I don't want to give anything away for those that. Yeah, I really think people should go into it totally blind. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's, it almost adds to the horror because it is so beautiful. Sounds like real binge-worthy TV. I can't wait to watch uh, the second season. The first season was one of the best shows last year. Binge List, brought to you by Who magazine. Earlier this week, Westworld made its long-awaited return to Foxtel. Now, this was definitely one of my obsessions last year. I was uh, so into it, I got really old school and bought the Blu-ray just so I could <laughs> watch it again and uh, try and figure out things which went way over my head. Uh, now I can't wait for this show to roll out. What did you guys think? It's been too long oh since season God, one. Yeah. Oh, totally. I couldn't remember. I mean, I could remember the vague gist of what had happened, but it was end of 2016 that, that season one ended. I think that's too long. I think there should be a limit between how long you can, a limit between how long you can have between seasons because yeah, it, it was really dragged out. But, uh, basically you know, this season kicks off showing what ha- what happens when the robots take control. Yeah, for me, um, I was like it was one of those shows where it dropped and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I watched the first four episodes and I was really into it. And then just life happened and I kind of didn't keep up with it. And then so I tried to watch the second, the first episode of the second series having not fully 100% finished the first Big mistake, huge. Like, what the hell, Gavin? Can you explain to me what was actually happening? So, at the end of season one, the robots, or some of the robots, got or the hosts, as as they're called in, in the Westworld theme park, they became aware. They got awareness that they are in fact robots, and um, started a rebellion and started shooting people at this big gala. And Anthony Hopkins got killed, and. Uh, Went went on this rampage, and the rampage continues right into episode one of season two, and that's I guess what you missed out on. All of yeah. season one was the robots gradually waking up Getting and awareness. realizing, oh, hang on, we're not people, we're robots. 
Yeah, I, I I really feel like this show is not for the casual dipper in a routerer like no. I am, and I almost feel like I need to go back on Foxtel Now or whatever and watch the first season almost back to back in its entirety because that first episode of season two is re- is really enticing. Like I want to, you know, I want to watch more. It's a really good episode, and the two women are just so fat. Like Evan Rachel Wood and and Tandy Newton are just like. Next level amazing. I, I think without them, because I, I find I find the show takes itself a little bit seriously and it's a little bit up its own proverbial. <laughs> um, but you've got someone like yeah, Evan Rachel Wood who has transformed from yeah the sweet farm girl and now she's this kick-ass oh, woman riding around on a horse, shooting people, and um, Tandy Newton who is amazing. Oh, she's so great. And there's like serious parallels between that and Handmaid's Tale, which we were just talking about, because obviously, you know, so much of Offred's journey is about being reunited with her kid. And now you've got Tandy's character off on this mission, not to gain awareness and leave the world, but to go back into it and find her daughter. I thought that was a really interesting direction. And I wasn't thinking it would go in that direction. Yeah, it's very similar. Maeve and Offred have, have a very similar journey looking looking for their daughter. I thought what was also interesting, season one got a lot of criticism for the way it objectified women. Yeah. Or and, you know, it was part of the narrative that these women who were objectified then got to turn the tables. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in, in the first episode of season two when Maeve got to turn the tables on Lee, yeah. the uh, oh. narrative director or whatever he's Amazing. called, and made him strip in made front of her. Made him stand in the Nicky Noo. All the way down. <laughs> so that, that full frontal moment I thought was a nice little bit of, um, yeah, turning the tables on Yeah, the especially as he, wasn't he the guy that wrote all the scripts for their stories? So he's essentially scripted their entire life. And now Maeve's just turned the tables. Hey, Matt, because you're like a mega Uber fan, right? I am. What did you think? Look, I love this show. It, yes, it does take itself seriously, but I can overlook that. It's got so many layers. You can watch it again and again and again and pick new things up. Um, it's it's just an amazing show. And, and Gavin, you mentioned that uh, Anthony Hopkins being dead. Is he dead? Is he really dead? I think if you uh, watch season one again, you'll see there's a scene where he's in his mysterious lab 3D printing some kind of a body that no one else knows about. Is that him? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, that's You not, are a fan. <laughs> I, I had forgotten that entirely. That, that's not resolved, but yes. I mean, it's like Lost. It, it is basically the new Lost, which I loved, and I loved dissecting Lost and finding all the clues and the way everything fit together. And this show is very much like that. It, down to the fact that the tiger that popped up towards the oh, end of the yeah. it's it's the polar bear from yeah. Lost all over again. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't have an answer on the Anthony Hopkins character Robert Ford, but um, yeah, who knows? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is in fact alive. Please, please, please don't compare this show to Lost. Oh. Lost being the ultimate example what? of a show where the question is so much more interesting than the answer. I really hope that the answer here is going to be satisfying. Yeah, Gavin, what? Oh, you're a big Lost fan. Aren't I you? am a massive Lost fan. I think the best thing that happened to Lost was when they set an end date because yeah, there was a period <laughs> in in season in the middle. Season two, let's have an episode on Jack's tattoos. Who cares? But then once they set the end date, they then charge towards that end. And yeah. yeah, I wasn't completely happy with all the answers in Lost, but yeah. Because isn't JJ across both these shows? Yes. Did I read something somewhere? JJ's that across that, everything. Yeah, he's like the Lord. <laughs> yeah. um, JJ is very much involved. He's he's really interested in reviving uh, sci-fi franchises from his youth. Of course, Star <laughs> Wars, Star Trek, and now Westworld. Yeah, so in other words, he's a massive geek. 
Massive. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, can we talk more about this tiger? Because <laughs> I am a little bit obsessed with that. Like it was so random. But that kind of hints that there are other worlds. Like there's Westworld, which is yippee yaya. Yes. So what are the other worlds? Has has one of them come from the other world? Like how does that happen? The, um, the, there's Shogun World and uh, I think we saw a door in Season 1 which said SW, which everyone thought was oh, Samurai World, but yeah. I think it stands for Shogun World. So the tiger may have come from there or maybe there's a... Jungle Af- World. A jungle World, African Safari World. But, yeah, I think there's at least six because I think didn't Luke Hemsworth's character say something about World 6 or why oh. is this tiger here from from that world? But, yeah, I think it's definitely come from one of the other um, worlds and, and yeah. which, how. Which basically means the narrative for this series could be never ending. I mean, you could just go off in so many different directions. Do you do you feel, Matt, like it should stay? Is it silver water? Is that the town? Do you feel like they should stay in No, I think I think there's a wide open vista. I mean, the uh, the original Michael Crichton movie that this is based on had multiple worlds and when it all went to hell and the robots rebelled, they did uh, cross into different worlds. Um, I think it's quite fascinating. And now I'm just wondering now, is is what we're seeing, is that a world in itself? Is this whole thing some kind of a an elaborate oh, game? Oh, Delos. Yes. What, the Delos Corporation? Is is what we're seeing, a, a, a game that they're all involved in. I can't wait to see the rest of this show. It's uh, I'm really happy that it's back on air. Binge List. Brought to you by Who Magazine. It's one of the most popular shows on streaming TV and The Crown will be back on Netflix for its third season, probably not until early 2019, with seasons three and four being shot consecutively. But you might not recognise the show this time with all of the most familiar faces making way as we cover off from 1964 to 1976. Yes, there's been a major recast and it hasn't all turned out the way that some fans may like. Guys, what did you think of uh, the names that are being put forward for this new season? Oh, I'm really excited. Um, not for not for the guy that's been put forward for Philip, Tobias Menzies. Who the hell's Tobias Menzies? Like, who is he, Gavin? <laughs> he's, he's in Outlander. He's the oh, husband slash ancestor in Outlander. Oh, that show annoys me. I don't watch it either, but... You yeah, know, you know those fans are rabid, and they're probably com- coming after you right now. Yeah, just send all correspondence to Gavin Scott, <laughs> care of Who magazine. Uh, no, I'm really excited about Olivia Coleman. For for most people would probably know her for her role in Broadchurch. She is, I think, the best living actress, British actress who is alive. That, that- sounded weird. But you know what I mean. She's amazing and she's going to be amazing as Elizabeth, but I don't think you agree with me. You're looking at me weird. Well, yeah. I, I know her from Broadchurch and I know she's done a million other things, but that's all I know her from. And so I see her as dishevelled detective, overworked, underpaid detective. I don't see her as Queen Elizabeth. And I know she's an actress. But she's so good she can shapeshift into any role, I think. Well, as, as all good actresses should be able to, I, I guess. But, yeah, I, when the name came up, I kind of went, oh, Really? Because Claire Foy was so good. Oh, yeah. And she also looks a lot like the young princess yes. um, before Queen. Um, but, Matt, what do you reckon? Look, I am a casual viewer of The Crown. I do I enjoy watching it, but I'm not obsessed with it. I'm not totally invested with a lot of the actors that are already there. But 
I do think it's going to be a little jarring for people to see. Uh, It'll be so weird. It will be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I think what a lot of people seem to be obsessed with is the notion of Camilla Parker Bowles turning oh, up yeah. on the scene. People are also already talking about Princess Diana, although she's definitely not going to be in this next season. She'll be in the one after. Um, there's a lot of anticipation for what's going to happen in the 70s and 80s, but this time frame they're talking about the 60s through to the 70s. I don't know a hell of a lot about it, but I am interested. It was pretty juicy though, wasn't it? I mean, because you've got Princess Margaret, um, who is apparently going to be played by Helena Bonham Carter. My God, talk about perfect <laughs> fit. She's got the hair for it for a start. She's she's great and she makes everything about oh, she does. 30% better, yeah. including Harry Potter. Um <laughs> And and I'm sure she'll be able to rein it in a little. I mean, Margaret's pretty out there for a royal. But she was, and and Helena's so, yeah, way out there. Yeah, but she this covers the time period where her and Snowden split up, which was quite. It was pretty controversial at the time, wasn't it? Like it was pretty shocking when you think about it. Mm. Um, I can't wait for that. But like seriously, everyone's just going to be hanging out to see who plays Camilla. Yeah, and like, and Charles, I guess as well. Oh yeah, Charles. But um, apparently they're going to be up and comers. Rather than that's kind of good though, I reckon. I think so. I, I, I think, um, yeah. The, the tricky thing about about this show is um, if you identify someone like Olivia Coleman with something else, it's almost going to be hard to see them as the Queen or Prince Charles or, or Camilla. So I think casting people who aren't as well known, which is what they did with the first season. Um, but Matt Smith, he was the Doctor. Yeah, he he was well known, but I guess Claire and and um, Vanessa Kirby, who plays Margaret. Oh, yeah, Vanessa, they, yeah. Yeah, they weren't as well known. So I think that works to cast people who aren't as well known in these roles so they can get lost in the role rather than you going, oh, yeah, that's the woman from Broadchurch yeah. now sitting on the throne. Are you a massive fan, Gav? Of The Crown? Yeah. I watched season one pretty quickly, but season two it took me months to get through. Yeah, see, I just dipped in and out of both of those seasons and um, it sounds like you might have been a bit the same, Matt, but then I actually like hooked up my parents with Netflix over Christmas and they were like dishevelled messes. I'd like go and see them and they'd be like, I'm sorry, me and your dad haven't slept for, oh, we went to bed at 3am last night. They were obsessed with it. They watched series one and series two and nobody in the family saw them for like a week straight because they were just up 24-7. Right. I think, I think when it gets to the 80s and 90s and the stuff that we actually yeah, lived maybe, through, yeah. maybe we'll be a bit more, oh, yeah, but then, you know, being in Australia, of course, we're, we're still at a distance from a lot of it as well. Also, can we just talk about the fact that Meghan Markle is totally going to play herself? <laughs> <laughs> by the time, yeah. By the yeah, time by the they time get... they get to like present day. Amazing. Oh my yeah. God. Well, we've got a bit of a way to go until we can uh, see that season of The Crown, but right now we've got a few more options. Uh, to binge or not to binge. Claire, what yes. did you think of Unreal Season 3? I am loving it. I mean, obviously this is one of those shows that's dropping weekly on Stan. Um, For those that might not be uh, familiar with it, 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 Unreal is basically a drama based around a fictitious reality dating show called Everlasting and it centres around two characters, Rachel and Quinn, who are the producers and the executive producer. Really this show is all about the dynamic between those two. Um, They're just phenomenal, the, the actresses that play them. Series two for me was a little bit, like it kind of petered out a little bit, but series three feels like it's back to where it was in the first season. Um, so it basically kicks off. We meet up with Rachel who is uh, taking on a course of essential honesty 
which basically means she's not allowed to lie anymore. And let's face it, like a big part of being a reality TV producer is about lying and making people do what you want them to do. Anyway, this time round, there's a female sutress and they're all vying for the hearts of the male suitors. Look, this show is about so much more than a reality dating series like it, it but it is it is essentially about the relationship between women and power and uh it's got a whole lot of sort of important things to say about that I'm I'm waffling here so I'm going to cut it short but basically there's an Aussie actor called Adam Demos who joins the cast as August uh look I, I have to say he's the oh, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be mean but I didn't love him in this but it is quite nice to see Aussie an Aussie represented so my verdict is yes binge 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 it's really good (laughs) sounds good gavin rise season one thoughts well it's been described as a cross between friday night lights and glee and that's pretty accurate except it's not as original as either of them or as good as either of them i would say the friday night lights connection comes because rise was created by jason cadams the creator of friday night lights as well as parenthood the recent uh update of that And it shares that grittier, realist approach that Friday Night Lights has. And, in fact, the first few minutes of Rise, I was thinking, am I watching Friday Night Lights? Have I put the wrong show on? It's that similar. Um, And then the Glee link comes because it's set in a struggling drama department of a small town high school. And it's taken over by a Mr. Shoe-like teacher, played by How I Met Your Mother's Josh Radnor. And for me, it feels like I've seen it all before. Even the musical they're doing, Spring Awakening, that was the musical. Brenda Walsh came back to direct in the reboot of 90210. Oh, amazing. I love that you know that, Gab. I just feel like, really, are we going to do Spring Awakening again on a teen drama? (laughs) People tell me they like it and I always say to them, yes, but have you watched Friday Night Lights? And they generally say no. So I would start with Friday Night Lights, which you can watch um, on Stan, I believe, uh, rather than Rise. So not binge is my verdict. Thank you, Gavin. Binge List, brought to you by Who Magazine. Now, uh, there are a lot of high-profile shows that people are watching this week, but there are also a lot of shows that are not getting the attention they deserve. And in my opinion, one of them is Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Uh, That's our hidden gem this week. Um, It's been bubbling under. It's uh, becoming a bit of a sleeper hit. Uh, Unfortunately, it's got a terribly vague and perhaps misleading name. Is it about the Wild West? No, it's not about the Wild West. It takes place in Oregon, which is about as close as it gets to uh, a Cowboys and Indian story. Um, it's actually about the Rajneeshi cult, which was quite oh. a big deal in the 70s and 80s and uh, controversially built a town from scratch on an Oregon ranch, uh, leading to a lot of conflict with the locals. It's not surprising when you consider some of the antics they got up to. It was uh, heavily involved in meditation, which is all fine, but it was also a bit of a, a free love, uh, free for all, which the, the local conservative Christians found a bit too in their face. Um, you may remember these people as the orange people. as ah, they were, the yeah, orange. Yes, yes. They were called the Orange People. There were a lot of uh, big scare stories about them on TV in Australia in the in the eighties, especially on uh, the Australian version of Sixty Minutes. And you may remember one of the leading figures in the Orange People, Ma Anand Sheila. She was famous for her catchphrase, "Tough titties." Tough titties. 
She's the one. Yeah, remember that? That was quite popular in school. I love that her name's Sheila. Sheila. She kept that bit of her, like, guru name. She did. She did. She did. Now, the show is mainly made up of old file footage, including a lot of uh, that Australian footage from 60 Minutes and other shows. Mike Willis even makes an appearance. But uh, all of the uh, major figures in the show who are still alive are also interviewed in contemporary footage. Um, That's really interesting. Yes, Sheila does make an appearance. She's still as feisty as always. What does she look like now? She's grey. She's older. but And she's now working in, of all places, in aged care homes. Uh, um, <laughs> recruiting. She Well, we don't know if she's recruiting, but uh, in the footage we see, she seems to be having a lot of fun with the old people. Um, now, she's not as wild and crazy as she used to be, but it's interesting to see her take on what happened in the rise and fall of the Rajneeshis. Yeah, really? um, there was a lot of fun in the beginning of the cult, a lot of dancing, singing, a lot of people having a good time, but then it really devolved into some really ugly stuff, including some... Uh, assassination attempts on what? local officials and the largest bioterror attack in America's history, uh, where members of the religion allegedly seeded salad bars around Oregon what? with poison. Yeah, crazy. That, that crazy. totally passed me by. Yes, it's insane. But look, it's don't be put off by the title. Check it out. It could be the new Making a Murderer. That kind of sort of viral uh, documentary type series. I really enjoyed it. What do you guys think? I think I'll check it out. You, you have been banging on about this for a while on, on, <laughs> on, on social media and in person. There, there is no escaping your obsession for this show. But but I do remember the orange people and, and tough titties. So, yeah, I might check it out. Yeah, and what was it with the 80s and 90s? Like there were so many rando cults back then. Like when I went to a um, religious high school and we had to do RE, like religious education. And I don't, I, I don't know if this was like state ma- mandated, but we – or, or if it was just my wackadoodle school, but we had to watch this um, this video about how the Moonies were really bad and that you should – do you remember the Moonies? I do I, remember the Moonies. Yeah, and how we should never join a cult. And I remember like it was really formative back back in my teen years. I was, I was really frightened I might get brainwashed and end up accidentally joining a cult. So you didn't end up in a mass wedding? No, but I kind of like I do now obviously work for who and so the cult of celebrity. Uh-huh. Oh, did you like that? I did, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, but I was petrified that someone was going to bundle me into a white van and then force me to go sell roses on the street. Perhaps a more fun encounter with cults would be to watch Wild Wild Country. I do recommend it. Check it out on Netflix. Well, thanks for joining me in the studio, Gavin and Claire. We're going to be back next time to talk about Picnic, Hanging Rock and Roseanne. Cannot wait. Woohoo! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.